I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Mike Boris, and this is Straight Talk. 2004, Willie Mason. Yeah. Who'd you play in that game? The Roosters, Fuck yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> Always been dying to know this. Were you always as big as you are now? No, but I was always rangy and long. You know what I mean? Like I reckon sixteen, I was about six foot one, and like just say ninety five kilos. Then I grew to like six foot five and one hundred and fifteen kilos, no. touching a weight or doing anything. The defining moment where I put things in perspective is probably like when I buried my father at seventeen. That was it. Wow, you so buried that, your father at seventeen? Yeah. So shit like that is very defining for your mental, right? And I always put things in perspective. I just never could get down that much or never be high that much. This is a roller coaster of a ride, right? The highs are here, the fucking lows are here. Get back to the middle as quick as you can. What does it give you doing podcasts? I mean, what, what do you get out of it? It gives you a platform to speak on anything you want without it being taken out of context, right? You can say something to me, oh, you said this. Watch the whole podcast, mate. Willie Mason, welcome to Straight Talk, mate. Yes, thanks for having me. Fucking long time. Since yeah, it is. Dude. 20 years. Is it that long? 20 years. Remember you, the, yeah, yeah. the wizard yeah, yeah. Got, yeah. got us the rings for yeah, the yeah. Origin 03 right. and 04 yeah, and we yeah. went up to Byron. But I always tell everyone about that. I said, there was, when I first got into the Origin team, it was just that culture of winning. That's what they go into now. Yeah, Belly Egg was a coach. Yeah, Belly, Sticky, Rick, that whole sort of era, Gus. Yeah, that was good times, man. Yeah, Gaz was in the side, actually. Yeah, Gaz. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I remember you walking around my house. Yeah, in, in Byron Bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I put a barbecue on and uh, for, for the team, and I was, I was sponsoring the side of the time. And, but I remember you walking through my house, and you come out and you said, fuck, how do you get all this shit? Like, uh, <laughs> what have I got to do to get this yeah. in? And uh, Gaz was, like, really fucking impressed. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, that might have been the last year you ever played for rugby league, I think. Didn't he, didn't he move Gaz, on to rugby league? No, no, that was in 04. 04, he played 5-6, and then he took off... To, Seven, yeah. To, to the pink side, to the mm, rugby yeah, union. Yeah, Because yeah. well, I, I remember, I hope I hadn't sort of poisoned his uh, view on the world because he went off to get more, more dough. He went overseas. He did, home. And, and, and uh, by the way, I think it was uh, Clive Churchill medal 2004, Willie Mason. Yeah. And who'd you play in that game? The Roosters. Fuck yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first time I actually felt bad of winning something because all, all those guys are my mates yeah, for yeah. years. Like Minicello, I've known Mini for, since I was 12. Finchie, Toops. A lot of those guys, Croc, we all come through the same system. Yeah. In Newcastle and then playing against each other like when you're 17 years old. We're like 24 then, right? We're just still young men. But like even it was great. It was a great feeling winning that grand final, right? But it's just like when you watch the replays, you don't realize how, you don't realize how distraught the other team is. And it was one of those games where we went down to the last play. So I could be sitting here going, 
loser, winner, not a, not a Clive Churchill winner, not anything like that, a loser of a grand final. When it comes down to one play, Hodge was in that side. Hodge was, was, was great. Uh, great he, was, he was on the bench. Yeah. He ran on, uh, and uh, Sonny was in your side. Sonny too. And I remember we were getting. Uh, Sonny was telling us something fairly hard. Yeah, and uh, I remember thinking. Sticky was our coach, I'm pretty sure. Was it Sticky? Yeah, Sticky. Yeah, I, I, I remember Politis, Nick Politis and I were sitting up about four seats back from where the players were. And I remember saying to Nick, fuck, Sticky, get Justin Hodges out there and get him to, get, get him to run it uh, uh, Sunday. Like, I just want Hodges to go on there and stop mm. the momentum you guys had. Because yeah. I could feel it. Yeah. I could feel the momentum was going against us. What's it like to win it? What's the most important thing for a rugby league player? Origin? Winning, you know, winning for the Bulldogs a grand final or playing for the country? Hmm. It's three things that, that, are, that are really right up there, right? Um, when you're a young kid, you look at, like I was watching like the Canberra sides and the Bulldog sides in the 90s because I was a teenager in the 90s. So that's what you want, right, as a team member, right? You just want to, you win, you go to battle, you, you train every single day with these guys, blood, sweat and tears, all that kind of stuff. So when you get that grand final win, it's it's ridiculous, right? Like because it's a proper team effort. In, it's more individual when you get to these higher accolades, right? With the Australian team, it's like okay, well, I'm, I'm, you look at yourself as one of the best players in the world if you've got that green accolade. and gold. Yeah, it's like it's more individual, and then you just only have to do your job when you're playing for Australia. You know, you know what I mean? Like that's why you see these players who play so good for Australia because you just got to do your job. Really, you just do what you do. That, that's sort of a bit like that. I've heard people say that about Origin. And too. Origin too. You're playing with the best players. Yeah. You're here for a reason. We're not sitting here going to overcoach you. You deliver. You do what you're doing in club. Just it's hard to put it on in Origin because you're playing against the best. Even in test football as well, you're playing against the best players. So when you play in club football, you're training every single day with these guys. And, and just say if you come through the system like we did at the Bulldogs, you got 12, 13 blokes there that have been, like, been aiming for the same goal for four or five years. And you finally achieve it. That's why you see such like emotions and everything like that when it's final. That whistle's gone. It's like what? We did it. You know, it's like we actually did it. So like, that's why you always see those plays. We did it. Like you can't believe it happened because that's your ultimate goal as a club and as a team. So like, we want to win the grand final. You want to get the prelims. You want to do all that sort of stuff. And if you remember back then, like in 02, we got the salary cap. Yep. 03, we got pumped by you blokes in the prelim. 04. Uh, Coffs Harbour scandal, all that yep. shit. So all that stuff was like around. And if you come through that system, like me and Corey Hughes and um, all these guys, about ten of us, like it, it meant a lot more, right? So can, than your yeah. average average game. Do you mind explaining, Willie? Like because not many people ever get the experiences. I was lucky to see it, but um, and you don't know it until you sort of feel it, sort of thing. Um, often when a club wins a game, it wins a grand final. The, the cameras and they're showing them sing the team song. If you win the origin, mm. the cameras are there, but they're never going to the losing side. Explain what it's like to sit in the sheds after losing an origin series or yeah. an origin game or, or losing the grand final. So I've, I've, I'm one and done in the grand final, so I've been lucky with that. I've lost some big games like playing for Australia and like finals and in origin. That's the most disappointing, right? Like it's... It's, I, don't, I can't really explain it. It's like the, whatever the other end is from when you're winning, it's that. And some people take it really, really deep. I really don't try and get down that much like when I was playing because I knew it was like, if you got lost in origin game on a Wednesday, you're playing on Friday. Yeah. So you're supposed to be the best player for the Bulldogs or the Roosters or whatever team I was with. You, so that's, that was my mentality. It's like, okay, this is a roller coaster of a ride, right? The highs are here, the fucking lows are here. Get back to the middle as quick as you can. But, how do you, but where does that come from, Willie? I don't, I don't know. 
I just, I just had that mindset all the time, right? I was just, I can't really stay up here too long. And here, I was thinking it was when I was, when I was early on in my career, like folks, she goes, get, don't be fucking doing this too much. Don't be here too much. Just stay in the middle. Get back as quick as you can. So I always had that, like that mindset. Like, yeah, it sucked losing Origin, but it was more, I've got to play. I've got to play again on, in two or three days. So get your shit together. But does that sometimes suggest that, well, some people can be like that, but not everybody is. No. And does that suggest sometimes that you you are looking at this as, and I'm not underplaying it, but no. this is the game. This is the game I'm in. We're going to win some, we're going to lose some. Yeah. Uh, therefore, making Willie Mason being a really practical dude, um, or and then somebody else who might be extraordinarily badly affected by it, who then mm. has a shit game the following Friday. And I said, yeah. Son, um, that's someone who is over emphasizing the importance of winning versus losing yes and they are not practical and they just lose their shit yeah it's, it's just a game like i was like it was just a game we had ample opportunity for 80 minutes to win the game we lost it it's disappointing as it is like yes i'm shattered after games but it's not the end of the world i always put things in perspective i think that's what it is well, where's it okay if i can just wheel back now to you as a kid I, i've I always been it. dying to know this were you always as big as you are now no no, no, I was like a, sk not skinny, but I was always rangy and long, you know what I mean? Like, I was just really long, so but I, I was like, I was six foot, like, it's usually like, prop, like just normal. I used to play in the backs, right? I used to play fullback, I used to play wing no. and centre, till I was 16. Who, which school? Uh, Toronto High, up in Newcastle. So Newcastle boy? Yeah. yeah, yeah, Newcastle boy. And then like, I was sort of rangy, and then I was from age 16 to 17, I reckon 16, I was about six foot one, and like, just say 95 kilo, 100 kilo maybe. Then I grew to like six foot five and 115 kilo without touching a weight or doing anything. That was just genetics, right? Same as my brother happened to my brother. He was about the same height. And then about the same age, he's six foot seven, 130 kilo. Yeah, but like stacked, you know, yeah. it was just genetically. And I started doing weights. I was in the system already, played with the Hunter Mariners and all that kind of stuff. And I think the distinct, the defining moment where I put things in perspective is probably like when I buried my father at 17. That was it. Wow. You so buried that, your father at 17? Yeah. So shit like that is very defining for your mental, right? And I always put things in perspective. I just never could get down that much or never be high that much. I'm like, life's life is very precious. And like I've buried my dad at 17. So I don't think there's much more that life's going to really throw at me that's going to really rattle me. My mum and dad big? Dad was an Aussie. He was Australian, but he wasn't that big. He was about 6'2", 120 kilos. Big for an Aussie, man. Yeah. Mum's family. Mum's Tongan and so on. Like yeah. she's, I've got cousins that are six foot six, six foot seven, just all built. They just it's just the genetics man and in terms of athleticism i mean were you a runner yeah i used to run all the time yeah like uh, state, in, state runner yeah like, like as a toronto 100 meters 200 yeah 100 200 serious high jump all that sort of stuff and how yeah. did you the forwards then well i was in the backs right and i was like i was playing centers and then i just sort of grew like i was getting like then the back back where i was in the 90s like the gordon talus and that they were my favorite players steve kearney's i'm like they're all back rows they're not centers I'm not built like that. I'm not, you know, like Steve Renoff and all those quarter guys that were like, they were, they were my favorite players. But I'm like, I'm getting more rangier and I've still got my pace. I'm like, where's the, the, the pathway to get to the top, right? I'm thinking back row, I'm 6'5", 115 kilos, still can run, then sit on an edge, play anywhere, play lock, still had the skill set. So it was just, and I played a heap of basketball and a heap of other sports and it just sort of was the perfect sort of storm. So Athleticism was good plus footy IQ. 
So if it's a footy, I want to come back to that in a second. So you train, who was the first club that, to bring you down? Was it Canterbury? The Canterbury, yeah. So who was it? Do you remember who it was that scouted you? Yeah, Michael Hagan. Michael Hagan, Keith Onslow. So Hagan, remember Super League, right? So Super League, I was with the Mariners when I was younger, when I was 16, yeah. 17. Newcastle didn't want anybody who played with the Mariners to go back to Newcastle, which sucked because I'm a 16-year-old kid. I haven't played first grade or anything like that. Father just died. Don't really want to leave. I would have played for Newcastle for my whole career just to stay near my family. And so I had to go down to Sydney at like a 17, 18-year-old. Michael Hagen had to pick me up nearly every day because I wasn't going to play. So imagine a 17-year-old kid from Housing Commission in Toronto West just lost his father, is chased after by every single club, and I was just like, I don't even want to play. So... Michael Hagan. So Hayes was the coach for the for the Mariners. But he also played for the Berries. Yes. Back in so the, he's uh, and his brother, he, Bobby Hagan, was the CEO. Bobby Hagen, that's what so I'm Bobby Hagan was the CEO. Hayes was like sort of in limbo. What was he going to do? And then he went down to Canberra, right? So he was either trying to get to me Canberra or the Bulldogs because he knew I didn't want to go too far away from Newcastle, from Toronto, because my mum's still there. The youngest was one year old. I'm one of eight, you know. So he knew one that of was eight. Yeah, one of eight, five sisters and two brothers. My God. So the the cards that I got dealt then were like. All right, well, he just he ain't going to go to Canberra. He's not going to North Queensland, all this sort of stuff. You know, I had guys like Tim Sheen's ringing me when I was like 16. It's Townsville, mate. I'm not going there. So when you, you, you turned with the Bulldogs, was folks the coach then? He was the coach, yeah. Yeah, so uh, supremely fit. Yeah. Disciplined. Disciplinarian. Dude. No smoking, no drinking. Yeah. Unfortunately, he died quite young. Yeah. He must, I know. He must have had a genetic uh, defect mm. in his heart or yeah. something. Because the heart attack is on a standard. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I remember him because folks is my age and uh, a lot of my mates who I went to school with out there ended up playing footy with him. The Hughes boys, uh, Graham. Yeah, about Graham. great people. Um, and a lot of my other mates. Um, but they used to always rave about this guy, uh, folks, who was like a complete disciplinarian for himself, with himself. Yeah. What was it like for you to turn up in that environment? It was weird. Right, and it was like different because, like, just within Newcastle, like, it wasn't I wasn't full time or anything. I was just a young kid playing under seventeens for the Mariners, right? And then you come down there as a big recruit, and if it was now, like, if it was now in today's time, it would have been big news. But because it's late nineties, no one really cared that much. He's still a young kid, still have a good time in flag. But like, he was the head coach, and he recruited me, and like, it was just it was weird because he's I'm from the totally other side from what he is, right? He's like worked, like trained harder than anyone. Like, not saying I tra didn't train. I trained. But he wasn't a natural athlete. No, though. that's the thing, right? So footballer-wise, totally different. I'm this young kid from Toronto West, half Polynesian, athletic, all that sort of stuff. He's same position as me, right? Back row, yeah, where it's totally different body types, totally different characters. So we butted heads a lot. But we, you know, we just just like me being a young kid and what he wanted. Like I was still working my ass off for him because I just wanted to get his like his approval. Like he was like a like a father figure to all of us. What, 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 just tell me, tell me back what period we're we talking about in the ninety eight. Yeah, ninety eight. So ninety nine, just the end of Super League. Yeah, just, just, just after war. Yeah, so uh, uh, Peter Moore was had he passed away? Peter Moore in ninety eight. Yeah, he passed away. Passed away. So did you? So just give us a bit of an insight as to the Canary Bankstown Bulldogs culture. It around was, that period it was, and folks of course was married to one of uh, Bullfro Bullfrog's yeah, kids yeah Bullfrog's daughter yep and uh, the Anderson boys were running around yeah. they were also married to uh, some, some of the Bullfrog's yeah it was and, very connected right and the Hughes family uh, Bull, uh, Bullfrog was Graham Hughes's uncle yes uh, so, Graham Gary Mark because and uh, they married Graham's dad so all that what you're saying there I didn't know you didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't. I was not a St. George, I was not a Canterbury supporter. My dad hated him, and I reckon if he was alive, I'd never would have played for Canterbury. I would play for St. George. He would have forced me to play for St. George, 
And like, so I was always grown up and I didn't like the Bulldogs because I just, I didn't know them. And he's just like, oh, they're full of Catholics and this and that. I was yeah, like, yeah. I'm Catholic. We were brought up Catholic. I don't know where he got all that stuff from. Family club, this and that. I remember him like, this is like in my teens. I'm like, well, I don't really want to go to this club then. Right. So I was real hesitant on going to the club, but it was the closest thing to Newcastle. So when, but when you got down to Canterbury, I mean, it, Cold, culture shock, man. It was a pretty, uh, impressive joint yeah in those days yeah. especially like, they, like that that whole family environment that whether it was catholic or not, but the whole family environment it was well run by you know like whether we like him or not he was a good chairman relatively speaking he was a tough chairman like he, he ran the joint, yeah built yeah. ran the joint f for success yeah. it was great it was great being there whether as a young, as a young you? kid oh, oh great like it was a family club it was like they, they took care of mum. they took care of all the younger kids i love the club i still do but they, i really remember that they brought mum down, they'll put her in a hotel, they'll look after all the kids, they'll pay for all the tickets, all that kind of stuff. It was unbelievable. They're always about the family. Like, I remember doing deals with Punchy Nelson. Remember Punchy? Yeah, God yeah, rest yeah, yeah, yeah. Just at the bar. Barry. Oh, yeah, yeah, Barry, yes. Yeah, Barry Nelson. Um, doing, hey, hey, you like it here, young fellas? Yeah, I love it. Has, has another two years. I'm like, yeah, sweet. Yeah, shake my hand. It was, that, it, was that, it was that sort of old school still involved with the club. You know what I mean? I love, I love that, and that's why I'm still like, I just, I just still love the club. I wanted to go back to that, but it's never going to go back, nah. go back to those days. But it's like it's very professional now, and everything like that. Well, I the camera just got removed. Yeah, you know, so it's always been, a, it's always been like that. You it's know? become, a, it's sort of a political joint. Uh, it's very political. It's ex since when you lose your strong leader mm. who builds his strong culture. As soon as that strong leader leaves, and this has been Canterbury, unfortunately, ever since, it's just been one aspirational person after another trying yeah. to take control of the joint. And the, and all unfortunately all fighting amongst themselves. And I, I reckon. So I'm gonna ask you this, Willie. How important is it? Was it for you in 2004 that Canterbury's administration, that in other words, the people are sort of in the club, running the club, the board, and all that sort of stuff? How important is it for a club players to perform well relative to how stable it is at the top of the joint? I, th I always talk to younger players now. It's like it's so important that it all starts from the top from the chairman, all the board members, to the CEO, to the GM, to the football manager, to the coaches, all that kind of stuff. It's all got to be in sync. Everyone needs to be on the same page. I think that's where they're heading now. In 2004, we were like that. From when I was there at the club, from 98, 99, 2001, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, it started falling off the back end because they kept switching and changing CEOs, people getting sacked, this and that, board members, this, that. And like That's probably one of the reasons why I did leave. Um, but it was so important. I know how a good club is supposed to be run because I was there. And I was part of it, you know? So like, that's the only things I can compare to. The Roosters run brilliantly. Newcastle run brilliantly. All these, all these clubs that are top-notch clubs, they're like that. Melbourne. Melbourne Storm, you know, like all the top teams are like that. Penrith now, you know, yeah, they've got their totally. shit together. That's, the, that's the, the pinnacle now. But the Roosters have always been like that, always. It's always run. I've had two years at the Roosters, and it's two of the most enjoyable years of my life. And I've still got connections there. I still know you, I still know Nick and all these, all these guys that are on the board. That's what the the club's got a lot of power. Yeah, well, but I, I but as a young bloke, when you're at Canterbury and you and when you win the grand final, like as a young bloke in 2004, did you sort of recognise the importance of a stable administration at the time, or or, or is that something more upon reflection? I did, I did at that time because it changed around about there because the, Bobby Hagen left and they brought Malcolm Node in and yeah. Steve Steve Morton was in and out. Malcolm like, so, Nod, my God, I can't. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, so, yeah. like, I get it. Like, we won when he was CEO. That's not a reflection on him. That's a reflection on the playing group. He was an ex-News Limited guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah he took our points off us. <laughs> <laughs> Later on. Well, that, but that's the thing, right? We just, we tried to, I think the club were trying to please everybody once we got done from the cap. 
right in 2002 it's like no nah, we'll show everyone like well, we'll get to see we'll get a we'll get a guy from news limited who's our ceo just trying to please everybody instead of being like bulldogs I remember. like we are like well, but he wasn't a bulldog though that's, never a bulldog that's, that's what i'm saying like like i'm used to like the the, the bobby hagans and the, the steve uh, steve mortimer's being ceo yeah like, proper bulldogs people because they and played there yeah, they understood what they love the joint and they, they're all they all, a lot of them would have come through the system there like and uh, i get it like why they're like that right because i come through the system there and i'm sort of like that now I'm like, dude, you like, I have an affinity for the club because I know how it's supposed to be run. And it's in that sort of way now, right? Even though they've changed the chairman, they've got stability there with, I think, Aaron Warburton does a really good job. He's got some really good board members there. The coaching staff, Gus, everybody around it. The only thing that's not clicking is the wins. Yeah, not yet. On the field. Or not yet, you know, but it takes, it takes, a, little, well. takes a little bit, right? It does take a little bit. Everyone's very impatient now. It's an instant gratification well, sort of society now. that we have right now where, you know, it does, it's going to take a little bit. I can't remember now whether you were in the in, in the side of the Gus coach in Origin. Or yeah, I was. You were yeah. in that game. Okay, yeah. that's that's right. So, okay, let's talk about the Gus factor. Yeah, he's good. Okay. Um, I love Gus. <laughs> well, well, I, look, I love Gus, but there's been a, a, the media now. There's been a small fallout between him and Nick. Um, but uh, Gus and Nick were like that for yeah. a million years, and, and I don't like it. I don't like the fact that there's been a fallout, but I'm sure it's mendable um, because mm. they're both reasonable blokes. Gus, of course, was at Penrith for a long time. Look at Penrith now. Yeah, and, uh, and then Gus is at the at the Bulldogs, which is sort of where he started a million years ago. Mm. Well, he started Penrith, but he was there in ninety eighty. But he he yeah. went back to the Bulldogs, and uh, and what does Gus bring? He's got an aura, and he's got like I've I've known I've had a relationship with Gus since I was seventeen. When I was that young kid, when I was playing at the ball, he was been trying to recruit me all the time, trying to get me the Roosters in ninety eight after yep. ninety eight, yep. trying to get me the Roosters my whole time when I was at the Bulldogs. Um, he coached me when I was at the Origin, you know. Like, so we've had a really good relationship all the time. So my relationship with Gus hasn't really changed. It's just on a, I'm on his, the administration side, the coaching staff, and everything like that, right? He just brings like he's got so much experience, whether it be on boards, whether it be like the NRL, Channel Nine, like just with football, like eighties, nineties, two thousands, twenty tens. He's been there ever since, right? So he understands the evolution of the game, just the experience that he has, right? He scares the shit out of everyone. Yeah, because he's got a demeanor. Yeah, he does have a demeanor, right? So if you don't know him like I know him, right, for 20 plus years, you will shit yourself. Because I'm thinking, I'll put my shoes, put my shoes on uh, a younger kid, right? Who's a 17 year old kid trying to make it in the club. Like he was in the video session the other day. No one said a word. And I was, this is the SG Ball Pathways kid. And Gus was up the corner like, when I walked in, I was like, oh, no wonder they're not talking. You know, like, I didn't know that Gus was up the back, but he has that aura. And, you know, people want to please him. They want to appease him all the time because you want to get his, you know, tick of approval. Yeah, he's a good kid. He's a good, he's a good operator because he has that demeanor. Do you think, he's, you think it's because also he's uh, perceived as being extraordinarily powerful? And it's power. It is power. That's, that's, that is the word, powerful. He has an aura and he's got power. Now, what, what, okay, let's have a look at his power. I mean, because it's really interesting coming from someone like who's an intelligent bloke like you, who's a good observer, particularly even at a younger age. I didn't realize that you were observing these things when you were a young fella. But um, someone like Phil Gould being so powerful, what are the sorts of traits that a powerful person like him sort of expresses? Like, is it because he doesn't say much? Yes, well, I was about to say that because I talk to him a lot, right? And I like talking football and we talk football. He would just listen, sit there and listen and listen. And listen, and then give his bit at the end. You know what I mean? Like it's a great, it's a, it's a technique that not many people can master, technique. right? Yeah, he's got technique. Everything's like a everything is very theatrical. Mm, you know, he sits here, he listens. He's very like he's either like this, very in it, 
always completely distracted. Completely off you. Yeah. He, in other words, so he, he could put you off. Just say if you're in there and you're trying to be real serious with Gus, he could be on his phone. That's no disrespect to you. It depends how you perceive it, right? You might think that's rude as hell. You're in a meeting here trying to like, you know, and I've been in meetings like that. And Gus is just like that. He gets, he'll get distracted and he'll show you something on the phone, but it could be the best young kid in, in the state. could be the best young kid in Fiji or Hawaii or whatever it is. But he's just in that moment, right? But if, just say if you didn't know him and then we have a big meeting here and then he gets on his phone. What do you think? Fuck off. Yeah. But what are you going to do when it's Gus? Yeah, you're not going to You allow that. it. Yeah. You allow it. And I think he knows he's got that power. You're not going to walk out of that meeting because you need him. Do you think he's earned that power? I think he's earned it. Yeah, I don't. You know, he wouldn't be doing this 20, 30 years ago, but now, yeah, the Gus, so if Phil Gould can do that. I was going to say Phil Gould can do that. Craig Bellamy can do that. Mm. Bennett can do that. Yeah, there's only three. Yeah, those three. Ricky right? Stewart maybe. Yeah. Ricky's yeah. Sticky's a different personality. Though. Mm. Sticky he, would never do that. And he wears, but also Sticky wears his um feelings on his sleeve, yeah. and like it's right there. He's very he, engaging. He, whereas the others mm. don't give you too much. But they're, he's engaging stick, right? Yeah, yeah. But their belly and that, they're from, cut from that cloth. They'll sit there and just observe. They'll listen and they'll just like, and then they'll give their spiel. Like Wayne's the best like that. Oh. He's the king. Do you think it? But do you think it's a performance for these people? Like, a, I, I don't know. Maybe they become so used to it being successful, it has become them, or they become that that process or that style. Or do you think it's because um, they know that if I sit here and don't say much to Willie, just listen and make a pause before I say. What else are going to say mm. that I can get his attention? What do you reckon yeah. it is? Well, I think with me, right? Just say with Wayne, I've had a great relationships uh, since I was about 23, 24 with him with the Australian sides. And he just understands me, right? And I think he has that aura with everybody. Like he knows, like if I'm talking to him, even when he was coach of South, right? He would live, he lived in uh, Shifley. I was in South, I'm in South Coogee. I'd just go over to his house and just say, I've got, I would rattle off some ideas about coaching and this, that was before I got into coaching, right? So I'd always ask him about, what I'm thinking before I even do anything. Like there's only a couple of people that I call to need, if I need advice about football or life. It's probably Gus and it's Wayne. I've got those two about life, like when it comes to footy and that. Bellamy? No, I have a good relationship with Bellamy, but not like that. And do you think Ivan's going to end up in that territory? Because Ivan's yep. sort of starting to work, and, and Robbo a little bit too, because Robbo doesn't have that much to say. He's quite economic with his terminology. Mm. It looks like to me they're all following one path. And I don't know whether it's natural, mm. Yeah, Robbo's quite a quiet, fairly quiet guy yeah. anyway. But and so is Ivan, as you know. Ivan's mm. not a very talkative guy. It's hard to get no, him to say no. too much. But so maybe it's the, these leaders in our game, the ones who are most powerful, once they've achieved some really good, big, outstanding things, they've mm. done some great things, like you know, all of those people that we just mentioned. Um, unless you're the sort of dude who is uh, quiet and reserved and thoughtful and uh, very. Um, Produced, yeah. Maybe you don't don't you you don't bring that aura. No, I think they're good listeners, right? Because they know personalities. They he, they all know my personality, and I'm very open book about a lot of things, and I'm straight to the point, all that kind of stuff. So they listen, right? Then they'll bounce back some ideas, so they know what I'm like. So if you if I was an introvert, I wasn't very confident in what I was saying or anything like that. Maybe they would express a lot more, but because they know what I'm like and what I am as a person, I've never really changed like that. They just let me talk, right? And that's the sort of perception I have with them. They're good listeners and they give me good advice. Yeah, like great advice, that's life advice. Part. They give you good advice. Yeah, like when I ask for like their rebuttal is like, I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, good, thank you. And also they're open to talking to you. 
Yeah. Why do you think they want to? Talk, they're happy to talk to Willie Mason because you know there's every year there's I don't know, five hundred players go through, and every year there's another five like there's new players all the time. Why does Willie Mason um, resonate with people at that level? What, what yeah, you, I don't what know. Have I think but maybe because I'm authentic, right? I don't, I don't really, I haven't really changed. It's been like we have the same conversation we could have 20 years ago. Yeah, but you're, you're, you're I, don't, I don't want to say this sound weird, but you're sort of an attractive, I don't mean physically, very yeah. physically, very attractive. Yeah. Really. <laughs> don't get me wrong. But like, but you're an, you're an attractive person. Um, how aware are you of that as attractive in terms of not physicality? I'm talking about, I mean, you're a big dude, but I yeah. mean, Attractive personality, character. Are you aware of that? Yeah, I am. Yeah. I am. I think the older you get, the more you know yourself you and where you stand. Too. Yeah, but you but you know where you. Are. I'm 43 years old. Yeah. 44 years old. Nearly 44. I sort of know where I stand in the game, and my presence in the game, and and, and, and to know that is powerful. I but think. if you were as big as Steve Folks, Folksy, um, you wouldn't have. Yeah. Do you reckon you'd have the same presence? No, no. But he had presence. Yeah, I think so you could just you could, you could have it in a different way, right? You know, with with folks, you folks, you had presence. You're right. Yeah. Like when I was talking about, like you're sort of scared of him. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah, in a talking. little bit of a way, I was just like, "What is he going to do? Like, is he, is he angry at me or something like that? Like, because you don't know what you. I never knew what I was going to get. Like, He's with like a commando. Yeah, it's like, is he fucking? Is folks, he angry? Yeah, yeah. Did I do something wrong? Like, you don't really know. Like, he's like your sort of father. Like, and he was a. Was he like 20 years older than me? I think 20, 25 years older. No, he's he's my age, 67, 68. Yeah, okay. What are you for? Yeah, no, 20, 20, yeah, 25 20, years. Yeah. yeah, 20 odd years. So, like, he was a young coach. Like, he was only 40. Yeah, yeah. 40 when he was coaching. So, he had to coach all these young egos and personalities and that. Because that whole 90s group, gone. The whole 2000 group, I come up first. And then you had guys like JT and Braith and Sonny and Randy, Willie Tonga, and all these different personalities. It wasn't the 90s person. More Polynesians coming through. So, he had to evolve, right, as a person. Like, I can't coach Willie Mason like I coach Jamie Feeney. Well, can't I can't coach Sonny Bill like I coach Dennis Scott, Mark O'Mealy, and this and that. Like you got you got different cats, different athleticism, different mindsets, different like footy IQ. Like it was, and he he did a good job. I was with Rennie come over for dinner last night. We just laugh about. It. I said, "How did folks he lose his shit? Like proper, like because of some of the stuff we it was all boyish stuff. We're in yeah, our twenties, yeah. you know what I mean? But it was like the fucking headlines. It was just what a like a lot of coaches would have." Sacked a lot of players. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. So you've got your podcast now, right? So it seems to be a natural progression for you to go and do a podcast. Um, yeah. And we'll talk about the podcast in a second, but... It seems like a person, someone with your personality 
um, your lack of fear of the camera, which by the way, you know, if you're scared in front of a camera or if you're a little bit uh, quiet, it's hard to do a podcast properly. Yeah. You've got to be Awful. full on. Yeah. You've got to be, but then in terms of who you modeled yourself on, which is a great podcast. Do you listen to Joe Rogan? Who do you listen to? What do you do? I do, I do mind, I don't mind the few athletes ones, like um, the one with KG, a lot of basketball players and Paul Pierce. It's called The Truth or something like that, or KG Certified. There's a lot of basketball ones I like, a lot of NFL ones. Um, they just seem to have the knack for it, right? They just can talk and they're, they're a bit older too, right? They're in, a, they're in their 40s. They were really good in the same sort of era I was good in. So they can sit there and they've got all these stories and they've got all this knowledge in that and they try and pass it on. You know, that's what it is with, with podcasting, your life experience. It's experience, right? You can't get this. We can't buy experience. Like just, say, just say with like younger kids at the Bulldogs now. They're 17. I was 17. I think young kids only see the end result. They just see you as you are now, successful, and you know, like played at the club. They're like, dude, I was your age when I first come down. I know what you're going through, right? So like, that, I, I get it. So when when is your podcast so about Willie telling stories? And little bit, little bit. Pay forward what he learned, his experience, yeah. or is it all about your guest? Well, we we hardly have any guests on. We just sit there and we have a, a chat, chat like this. Like me and Justin Horrow, and whatever it is we're talking about. We can, I can just elaborate on whatever it is. There's a lot of YouTube questions. There's a lot of like, whatever we get to, I'm like, oh. And then I, it could be like a little gem in my head. Then I would just say it off the cuff, right? We analyze games and all that kind of stuff. That's the easy part for me. But when we're talking like this and talking about footy and whatever subjects, it's not like written down. Nothing's written down. So there's no script? No script. He's got a computer with just like, it's like, Miller notes, whatever it is, it just keeps everything organized. Yeah, a couple of topics. A couple of little topics because he's got to run the ship. Yeah, yeah. I'm just sitting there just like free balling. Whatever it is. You know, like I don't I don't I don't I don't want to look at my phone. It's distracting. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna have a Miller note because I'll be sitting there staring at it the whole time. I need I need to be engaged like this. Otherwise you just you just drift off. What does it give you doing podcasts? I mean, what what do you get out of it? I mean, apart from the fact that you're building an audience, you're probably mm. gonna get it's probably some um, um commercials associated with the audience yeah. over time. I don't know if you're doing that now. Um we'll come back to that. But what do you get from doing it every what are you doing? Once a week? It gives What's, twice a week. So Monday week. morning, Thursday morning. So right. I think it's like, it gives you a platform to speak on anything you want without it being put into context, taken out of context. Like you can say something to me, oh, you said this, watch the whole podcast, mate. You know what I mean? Like don't take it out of context because the little micros that we send out. So I try not to do that many other podcasts. So I'm doing yours because you're a great man, right? And you do great things. Thank you. And I'm like, with other footy stuff, like, I'm like, I don't do the other ones, right? Because it's all the same sort of questions. Footy podcasts. They just yeah. want to deep dive into how the hell is this, this, this. I want to talk about life and everything. Like, I'm a bit, bit more deeper than just the average sort of footballer. You know, like, that was so a what, great what, time in my life. I get, you know, like, but I, there's so many life lessons I can grab from footy and just put it into life now. But is that because you want to, you want to pay forward or take it back to the people who are listening to podcasts? All of which would be rugby league fans. Yeah, or a lot of, of which would be rugby league fans. Particularly young kids. Yep. Yeah. Um, do you like sort of helping them out? Like, I give like, advice. Yeah, I give yeah. advice. I yep. say, look, kid, if you're a young kid, if you're a middle young kid, I'll give some advice on what you need to work for the evolution of your game. For so a first grade player, for a first grade coach, picks you. Because if you're just that big kid, right, and you don't learn the fundamentals and skill set that, that you need for first grade, you'll get stumped at 19, right? So like when, when I'm doing stuff with the Bulldogs, these young kids, 17 to, nine, 17 to 20, that's the perfect age. You're going to get these kids at six foot four, 120 kilos, run like the wind, can't pass the ball. You know what I mean? Like, dude, you need to learn how to pass the ball because if you get put in first grade and you can't run a block play or have the timing off little things like that, no one will pick you. 
because you can't run in. Because you got to, you're a big guy, and then you got to run into Tino, then you got to run into Payne Haas, you go into Jared Weir Hargraves. Will take your face off if you're doing if you're if you're <laughs> running one on one. You need a little bit of you know you need some footwork. You need to know how to pass. Like and that's like yeah, that's the next level. And of you got to need them to know you're going to pass. Yeah, because if they know you don't pass, if they you, know you haven't got to pass, it's in one you. out, and then guys like I used to do it. You know, you just pick on these guys. They're young kids that you just like. One dimensional, just tee off on him. Well, that's really important, Willie, because um, for these kids, really one of the things that's coming out of this conversation is that your power of observation when you're playing footy and as you've matured into the footy, you're observing things or traits about other people who you're, who's your opponent, even also your yeah. teammates. But you're observing traits, just like you observed Steve Folks and just mm. like you observed Wayne Bennett and everybody else. Um, you're... Uh, what we need to have is young players or young footballers to be able to learn the the skill of observation yeah. as to how to play the game yeah. and how to how to skill up relative to what it is that I've got to do in relation to the game. But this power of observation, mate, it's not a it's not a natural thing for a lot of people. No. A lot of people just do what they've always done. They're athletic, they're mm. big, they're 120 kilos, they can run, you know, 12, 11 and a half seconds, 100 meters. They just think that's going to get them by. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them don't have parents who can tell them. They don't have mentors who talk to them. How important do you think that is that for us developing us, the NRL, you people need, like you? Yeah, you need people, people like me. You need Marco Mealy's. You need like all the guys that played in that era in the 2000s back in your club. You know, like because the experience that we've got and just and we can actually teach, right? You, some I know some players that the best players in the world, they can't teach. Yeah. They can't coach. It just yeah. gets stuck in their head. They know what it looks like. They just can't tell you what it looks like or show you what it looks like. Where I'm like that, I'm big like, I can show you exactly what it looks like because I'll run the plays with you. I can still run like that. R run the plays. Like Roy Asatasi's there, Marco Mealy's there, Josh Jackson's there. We all played. We all played with each other and against each other. You know, so just breaking games down a little bit. Like I do more one-on-one -on -one stuff like this. So come here, mate. This is what you need to work on. Marco Mealy's great at doing video and everything like breaking them down. So we're just in the video session with like this young kid, like, showing you exactly what to do. And then we'll go on the field and show you exactly what to do. These little plays that I know they need to go to the next level. Because I know what a coach looks at and I know what an NRL coach is looking at. Like they don't care about your size. You know what I mean? Like it's great, but if you can't utilize it or get through 10 minutes without being buggered in the middle, which a lot of these kids would, ha that would happen right now if you chucked them in first grade, because it's like a washing machine, right? In the middle. So if they don't learn all this sort of stuff, is that this? I say it's, it's your apprenticeship right now, right? 18, 19, 20, and then you're up in first grade. And hopefully you don't come back. If we give you all the right tools, we can't just give you nothing. Can't just give you your size. I know a lot of six foot five, hundred twenty kilo Polynesian blokes that never got out of Jersey Fleet because they never evolved and they never understood the game and what it takes to get to not just NRL, New South Wales, Australia, and dominate at every level. So, so your role at at the Bulldogs is it? Is it for the uh, flag? Uh, uh, um, is it SG, SG ball and, and the flag boys? Yeah, yeah. So we're up to flag now is what under twenty one. Flags is twenty one. Twenty one. SG ball is the old flag, like nineteen. Yeah. So it's like eight from your best eighteen year olds to twenty one. That's beautiful. That's that's the best age. So you get them out of Harold Matz, yes. and, and they're coming into yeah. SG ball and flag. And as your as also Marco Mealy's in that in that yep. group. So who's in your group? Roy Asatasi, Marco Mealy, wow. Steve Turner, and oh. Josh Jackson. So you got the brains there, right? Josh only just finished. Josh Jackson just, just retired two years ago. So yeah. if you're a young kid, right? And I said this is a couple of really good young kids. I said, do you know what you've got in front of you, like in your back pocket, for advice, nearly whenever you want? You got me, Roy Asatasi, and Marco Mealy. Like if you don't have one question for us, then you're the best. You're the best. Why aren't you in first grade? Has this Gus put this together? Yeah, 
Yeah. So, and this is all part of Gus's development programs. Mm. He probably did the same at Penrith when he was yeah. there. We had the same sort of thing when he was with us at the Roosters. So, and, and we had, he put together great teams. Like, yeah. I remember when, when Sticky was a coach in 2002, we won the grand final. Um, uh, Gus had uh, like a whole heap. Gus was a uh, uh, director of coaching or something like that yeah. with us as well. But he, there was a whole heap of people around in Sticky. Like, he had a whole lot of other coaches, coaches, yeah. assistants. Cartwright. Cartwright. All those guys, uh, yeah. Johnny Cartwright. Um, uh, um, um, Ronnie Palmer was there yeah. in those days too. Like, uh, how important is in in your club environment? And you will remember Ronnie Palmer from your origin days, yes. the Roosters. But how important is it to have someone like a Ronnie Palmer in your environment? So important because and they understand the, they is. understand the culture, right? They're 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 trainers, but they're more than a trainer. They're your best mate. They're like they you could they're they're the middleman between the coach and players. And if you have a good one like that, your whole playing group is happy. Because your coach doesn't have to be like on top of you all the time. He relays it to his SNC, then it gets related SNC to the players, sports and conditioning, sciencing, yeah. and something, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, so but like performance people. They're... Yeah, high performance, right? Yeah. But there's always that one dude because Ronnie Palmer made that position famous. Everyone wanted to be like that because he was in Origin teams, Australian teams. He was that motivator. Like I remember, like he had been Origin and Australian teams through kangaroo Ever been no, a more positive person? No, have you ever? Ever? No, never, never. And I love Ronnie Palmer. And I think there's still a spot for him in there, but obviously the game has evolved and everyone's really sports science. Got all these young gurus in, everything like that. You know, Ronnie's getting a little bit older, but there's 73. So, it's so important for a young Ronnie, Ronnie Palmer to be your club. We've got a great guy, Travis Tuma. Yeah, he was at the Roosters. He's, Travis he's, at, he's at the Bulldogs now. He's an integral part of our group. Yeah, Travis the, is fantastic. Yeah, and he's and one a of the man you're never going to meet. Yes, and he's great because he, he's out. He's got the blue shirt on, he's got the calls from the coach, so he's relaying whatever the coach is feeling. You know, so it's a very, it's an important role. And he's at training all the time. He's training these guys. He oversees everything. So it's important to have those guys. So they've got it, they've got it, they've got everybody in place at the dogs. And Travis, Travis is the sort of guy too. What's really interesting about that is that he won't ask you to do something he can't do himself. No, nah, he'll school you too. It totally will. Yeah. Like, like in terms He's of fitness. An animal, man. Yeah. Fitness is ridiculous. Yeah. And by the way, Ronnie, until probably He'd 71, school you as well. He could run and lift weights and do, uh, you know, row on machine or do his bread and butters. Yeah. Which were the worst yeah. fucking thing in the Awful. world. Awful. That one? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he put you in the fat squat. So I, I've always wanted to ask someone like you, who. I don't care where you pick them from, whether it's Origin, Queensland sides or overseas sides or club sides. Who was the toughest dude you ever laced up against? There was a guy when I first come down to the Bulldogs. His name's Gary Carden, right? He's infamous with Bulldogs players, like the guys like Sonny Bill. Yuck, Sonny Bill, Rennie Matur, JT. Anyone who come through that squad in 98, 99, 2000, 2001 and two, he was that dude. He would train you harder mentally, physically, and drain you more than more than anyone in first grade, right? So he would get you. That's why we all come through the grades pretty good, because he got our mind right and our bodies right. So by the time we got to first grade, I was like, well, you got to spread this out of the whole day when you become full time instead of getting a three hour flogging with this bloke, right? But he would train you harder, and he was folks his eyes and ears. Folks would be like, "How's Willie going? Needs another six games. Needs another six weeks or something like that." How's Sonny going? Like seven is like when Sonny was 17, 18, we're like, pick this guy needs another year or like Rennie needs another this like because he had us, he had us all there for about four years right like all these players over four years so myself Rennie Sonny Bill JT Brent Sherman Corey Hughes Hazem, Tony Grimaldi so about out of 17 players he had 15 come through that squad the only people that we didn't go through was General Luke Patton because we bought him from St George and Mark O'Mealy because we bought him from Norse and Manly everybody else come through Gary Carden that was ridiculous 
You know, so he was that dude. We always knock around with him now because he's getting a bit older and his knees buggered. And he'd always have these war stories all the time, you know. Like, he'd try to break everybody. So if you got through his, you get the first grade and you'll be fine. You need someone like that. You can't be, like, soft as hell with these younger kids. I know society's changed and everything like that, but this game is still, still brutal. You need to be cut from that cloth. You need to be cut a little bit different. It ain't your normal sort of sport. You know, so you got to figure it out really good, like really well at that age. And you need a person that the first grade coach trusts with everything. So you have your eyes on there. That's why we're down there because Ciro, Ciro and I have a really good relationship. He understands and he trusts us. So, and in terms of, you just mentioned Ciro. I don't, I don't think you would have played against Ciro. Did you play yeah, against? I did, yeah. yeah. So um, in terms of marking up against somebody, who did you not like to run into? Was it uh, Gordon Tallis? I mean, what Petro. was it? Petro. Petro, Petro, or Tony Carroll, Tony, someone oh, like yeah. that. They just hurt, like they, you know. Like, and Petro's, you've met, he's the nicest bloke yeah, in totally, the world. Totally, totally. And like, you can't get angry at him, and you would never fight him because he's so nice, and he would never fight you. But he's like, I don't know, like he would just, he'd run into a brick wall, like with, it was just with hard. intent, right? Tony Carroll was because I'm six five. Tony Carroll had the perfect technique to get me, he because he dip and he just throw you, but he hits you like a ton of bricks. Him, Gordon Tallis is just more aggressive. He just trying to take your face off. Yeah, but and also like um, provocative too. And he had that he, he had that aura, right? Like when I was coming through, like Gordon Tallis is my favorite player. Yeah, he's my favorite player. Gordy's my favorite player. When I was coming through, like as a young kid watching him play for St George, I'm like, I want to be like that. That's why I moved into the back row and wore number eleven because of Gordon. I always tell him that he goes, no, no. I said yes. I said I tried to I tried to evolve, um, get my game. Like remember Steve Kearney? Yeah, sure did. Great back row. Yeah, high skill set. And then I look, I looked at Steve Kearney and I looked at Gordon Tallis and said, I want to be in between that with a high skill set, but run like a nut. We like, like were you when Kearney was in when he got, couldn't play Origin and, uh, when uh, Junior was a coach? Uh, just, just, was that 90, uh, no, it was 99, 99 in Origin, yeah. A bit too early for you? Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. in the grades, but I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't in Origin. Sponsoring, I'll, I'll never forget that. <laughs> yeah, when Bradley Clive fell off the horse, eh? Yeah, was yeah. That Bradley, Bradley, <laughs> Robbie Kearns. Yeah, yeah. Robbie Kearns. Yeah, I'm. You're thinking Steve Kearns. I'm thinking Robbie Kearns. Yeah, Steve Kearns. Steve Kearns. Di- yeah, di- different people. Yeah, yeah I know yeah, what yeah, you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, that right, was because I never, I never leave. I never uh, let uh, Junior forget that because um, he thought because go on horse ride. And that's right. Because nothing's going to happen. And fucking me, people that got injured or fallen off horses because the horses. He got never spooked. coached again. He, he, <laughs> and, and Junior's never f- uh, forgot about that. So I just want to quickly go back to the podcast, mate, because we're yeah. running out of time. But your podcast is called what? Now, what's it, what's the name of it for Levels. our audience? Levels, Levels Network, yeah. Le- Levels Network. Yep. Yep, and uh, it comes out twice a week. What? Twice a week, Monday, Monday Arvos and Thursday Arvos. And, and uh, where are you putting out? Spotify? Everywhere. All, all at Spotify. All the usuals. Uh, yeah, all the usuals. Apple. All on YouTube. Everything's going well. And it has been going. It's good. Yeah. Like numbers-wise, I'm not a numbers man, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. care. So about, but our, our producer and everything like that, like this time last year, it's like it's it's hitting. It's good. I think and people it, relate to it because it's just... It's, like, it's, it's normal. Like, it's like getting the news at a pub, right? Yeah, yeah. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah. A little yeah. bit of swearing, a little bit of this, a little bit of cheek, a little bit provocative. But I think you know, it's Willie Mason too. Yeah, like, but I mean, it's, it's whatever I am yeah. off camera, it's no real change. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like you're going to get this 24-7. And you're off to Vegas. Yes, and, and so are you. Yeah, I'm too. I'm, and I'll see you there. I, I, I'm yeah. going to go to LA before I go to Vegas. But okay. Well, are you going to do a show over there? We are. Yeah. yeah. We're yeah. going to do some and, stuff. That's good. That's, and that's, yep. that's very clever. And. What do you think about the Vegas move? So, I mean, mm. how do you think uh, it's going to go? I, th- I think there's a five-year plan, right? Yeah. I think the, f- the fifth, fifth year, I think we're going to put an origin there if yeah. we're smart. That'd be awesome. That would be like, just to give him a little bit of a preview now, first yeah. year, the second year, third year, fourth year, you got to really like, then we could be talking. If you can pack that joint out, imagine all the people that would be going to Vegas anyway if we had an origin in yeah, June. Yeah. It's summertime over there. 
It'd be yep. perfect. If they set it up like that, if the bigger picture is Origin, to showcase that, our best players, you'll fill that out. And then you just like renegotiate your deal after five years. Because if you put an Origin there, you know, it'd be ballistic. Yeah, totally. Because they, they would never have seen something like that. Never. Though. I mean, I'm hoping the, the games that we're going to put on a bit of a show when we get over there, but it will never be as, as brutal as Origin is. No, we need that. We need that. We need the Origin there to really... We're never going to break into the American market, right? But just to get them that showcase that once once a year, if we're going to go over there and we put an Origin there, they'll watch that. What do you it's think is about brutal. rugby league, the character of rugby league that Americans will like? The hard hitting. Because the, the, they hit hard. Like yeah. Right now, it's very methodical how they hit. Just because there's no shoulder charges or anything like that. I'd rather a shoulder charge than getting hit three times in one hit. Someone's got the ball, someone's got your hips, someone's got your legs, and then you get... A slow death down to the ground. Yeah, they are choking you out, not choking you out, but like squeezing you so hard. So you're so everything. I always tell these young kids, there's about two, three hundred battles in a game, right? Me, I get the ball. I'm trying to find my front. You're trying to put me on my back. There's the battle there. You might win. I might win. And then tick for us or tick for you. And then accumulates at the end of the game. Whoever wins more of these little battles will win the war right? The war is the two points at the end of the game. So if you have a little battle, if you have that mindset going in all the time to win these little battles all the time, right? Then you'll end up majority of the time you win the war, especially you'll dominate in the middle, right? If you dominate in the middle, you win, you win the game in yeah. any level from flag all the way to, to state of origin. Yeah. Because forward for me, you win games. Here. Forwards win games. Yeah. The backs will finish it off. There's been rarely a time where I've dominated a game. We didn't win. Yeah, but when if the forwards have actually but dominated, if dominated game, yeah. If I've lose. been dominated, it's usually the forwards were on the end, other end of the scoreboard. Yeah. But if you know you've you've played well, it'd be rarely that we're sitting there going, "Wow, oh, we got beat." We so, like be down to the wire. What are you hoping? Just quickly flip over to Vegas again. What are you hoping you're going to see from the the, the Roosters and Manly and Brisbane and and the Bunnies? So like, this, what, is round, this is round one for these yeah, guys. Yeah. Like it's it's going to be intense. Like it ain't no trial. It's not a trial game. No, so no, they're getting there for two points. Two so it's points. going to be, you know, real laser focused in. They've been over there. I think a couple of teams are there already. I think you'll see some really good football. Well, there won't uh, be a trial game. Roosters left uh, yesterday. Yeah, and same as South. So, have you seen that Dom Young run? Yeah, he's a man. Oh he's my god, a maniac! Mate, How big he, is he? Oh, he's six. He's nearly. He's probably six five, six six. Yeah, well, he's no, six seven. So, jeez, he ran in the Gosford game. We timed him. We clocked him. He was chasing uh, uh, someone down from Manly. I don't know, someone made a break. He chased him down. He was running across the field. He ran yeah. at 10, 10 meters per second Shit. over forty meters. In fact, he ran so that. he ran so fast he overran the bloke. He ran, he ran so ran past the dude. Hope he's all right. Uh, he's next, okay. Yeah, he, he, he's, he, we're gonna. He's gonna go to Vegas. He just can't play. No, he, you wouldn't risk that. Would no, you? He, he's fine though. He's got no. Um, yeah, I structural. thought it was precaution because I was looking at that. I was like, okay, nothing would have done. The, yeah, but well, that's good. Nothing he's structural. a good young kid. Yeah, he's a good young kid, and uh, the game is so good today. So rich with mm. uh, great. Athletes, it's yeah. amazing the athleticism that we see today. Like someone who's that that big and that tall can run <laughs> that can, fast. Yeah, how can you move like? Look, oh look at these young kids now. Like, even a Fanua Blake, Payne Haas, Payne Haas is a buck twenty five. Yeah, and he like the way he moves and the force into the, like you run like that if you're big and strong and you run into some. Good luck trying to hit that. You'll yeah, break totally. your shoulder trying to hit that. Atino, Fanua Blake, like Leota, Fisher Harris, Hargraves, Lindsay Collins. Yeah. See the size and of he Lindsay can run. Collins? He was a winger. Yeah. Yeah, he can run. Can you imagine how someone like Luke Curie must be thinking, what he must be thinking? Because yeah. they're Sammy. never, they're not growing. Sammy yeah, well, Walker is Sammy Walker, like sitting there, well, and they run at him. Yeah. They run game. at him. Final question. Mate, what do you think about the, the whole concussion discussion? 
you know, Jimmy Graham, blah, blah. Uh, I know. I think it's important that they have uh, the data out there, right? And I think that's what they've been doing since 2014. That was the back end of my career. I know the NRL is collecting data because they, they don't want a lawsuit on their hands, right? So if they keep collecting data, if they tell you you're off, well, there's a tick. We told you to go off this, this, this. Could be minor, minor, at, you know, like hardly any head knock. You're still going off. Precautionary. They just need to, they just, I think with Jimmy Graham, like he, I understand, I understand all the point of views, right? Just need to be careful. Look after the players. Like we were in that 2000, and no one cared. I Nobody love cared. He's awesome. He's smart. And he's. I'm, I love what he's doing. He's on a mission. I'm, I'm all I for like him. It. Yeah. Well, and but, but, but you, you get blokes like um, uh, uh, Mark Spud Carroll. Mark. Mm. Um, he thinks he, he doesn't feel too well at the moment. He's had the. No, I've, I know. Thing. I know. Um, and what do you think we should NRL should be doing? And clubs, we should be doing it for ex-players. You being yeah, ex-player. I know. I'm not sure what you can do. What can you do? Like if, if Spud's struggling right now, right? What can the NRL do? Like they only, I think they're trying to do stuff. Like, can you, you can't fix it. You know what I mean? You got to train your brain. I've, I've got a good relationship with uh, with Gus. I mean, with Spud. I'm always big on like trying to really like grow my brain and like like neuroplasticity and all that sort of stuff. So you know, you, like you train your brain. I, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to like do stuff all the time because it's not don't. Think for a second, I don't worry about that. Like, I was in that. I was one of those dudes. You know, the head knocks and everything. Like, it's not about, like, the getting knocked out all the time. It's about the trauma. It's about the head moving. You know, maybe you're talking thousands and thousands of collisions over a 15-year career. And it's like, you know, it's got to take its toll somewhere. You know, like, he's so, like, I'm very wary of the fact I get my brain tested every four years. You know, like, you do all these little skills and trying to, like, just grow your brain all the time. You lo- Use new things, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, all the time. Try and get out of your comfort zone. So I like doing the podcast. We talk about a lot of things. Like doing a podcast here, just talking back about history and everything like that. I watch a lot of TV. I don't just watch TV to watch bullshit things. I want to get smarter. I want to evolve. I want to grow all the time. That's really interesting, Willie, because... um. One of the, I mean, I have, I've had a little bit to do with the concussion stuff because I'm on the concussion committee for the NRL. And um, one of the things that's sort of coming up from the scientists that are telling us stuff because we talk to all the scientists and it, they're saying one of the worst things and one of the, the most affected cohort of people from concussion are those people who tend to sit on their own and not be out there. Yeah. Because it, maybe there's someone who suffers from anxiety perhaps or crowd anxiety. Yeah. It's whether you've just had a concussion or you had a concussion 30 years ago and you're now a retired player, you've got to get out in the into the community and talk to people and, yeah. as you say, exercise, learn things and make yourself do things. Yeah. And I, I worry, and I think maybe the NRL could actually come up with a program for this. Yeah. Like uh, how do we you know, get older players? They don't have to have played Origin. We don't have to have them at an Origin yeah. situation. Just have them somewhere. Clubs can do the same thing. Yeah. The Bulldogs can do it. We do yeah. it. The Roosters. How do we get old players together? Again, yeah. and, and I think it's up to the clubs, right? I yeah. think they really need to go out of their way. The Bulldogs are, are doing that at the moment, trying to get all the ex-players in. And I always have really good open open conversations with, like you know, Willie Tonga and Sonny and Randy, all these guys. Like, how like just say a lot of ailments come after like after playing because you're used to being in a tribe, right? Our yeah. ancestors and everything. Like, if you lost, if you leave the tribe thousands and thousands of years ago, you fucking die yeah you know what i mean like you've got to be connected to people all the time right like whether it be a family whether it be your friends old work groups everybody especially males want to be part of a tribe a community so it's important when you do leave when you do retire from football you don't leave it completely right still a massive part of your life i know it's consuming but you need to get back in like a lot of guys who just like they sit and they get bitter in the game and all that kind of stuff don't do that 
Just yeah. get back into the game. The, co- the game still loves you. The club still loves you, right? You're just sitting on the outside. You just got to get back into the fold, in the community. If, you, if you're suffering from those, like, like the depression and anxiety and all this sort of stuff that's really coming on now. So you really got to get back into the club or even like, it doesn't have to be your old NRL club, just a football club. Yeah. Right. Start doing stuff. It could be local. Just local should be club local. Game. Just get yeah. down there and just like be a part of a community again. I don't care. It doesn't have to be the rugby league community. Yeah. A lot of players are ex-players and they've got HIAs and they've gone out of the game like that, medically retired, filthy on the game. Yeah. You would be, and you would be. You have every right, but like but, just join a community. But that doesn't help. No, it doesn't. It makes you old and bitter yeah. all you, all you, the time. You've got to get back on the horse yes. and do something. Yeah. And then and I guess that sort of that sort of helps us close this off because for me. Your podcast does exactly that for you. Yes, it does. Because I'm back in the community. I'm back at the Bulldogs. I'm doing stuff with the younger kids. So it makes me like excited every day to go, I'm going to help this kid do that. Right? Yeah. I've got to go to the Bulldogs train this afternoon. I'm going to coach these young kids on some different plays. And I'm like, I'm excited about that for two or three days. Willie Mason, awesome, mate. So good to see you again. Thank you. are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.